Welcome to Cat Chat, the pet talk podcast devoted to the physical and emotional well-being of cats and their people. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. This show is brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, where they speak for cats, which is what this program is all about. My co-host is the feline expert, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. The show is made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, a company privately owned by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose mission has been to personally formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie also created his own cat food called Clean Protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs because they're based on the protein a cat eats naturally. Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I personally can recommend because it is based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Please show your appreciation that Dr. Elsie's underwrites this show by choosing their products whenever you can. I am really looking forward to talking to a wonder woman in the cat rescue field. Corinne Burgoyne is the adoption supervisor and the shelter operations manager at MSPCA Boston. And Stacey LeBaron at the Cat Connection told me, this woman has done something no other shelter in the United States has been able to do. A return to owner rate 10 times higher than the rest of the United States. Corinne, you are quite extraordinary. And I'm sure you want to share the secrets of your success. You'd like other shelters to be even a fraction as successful as you, I imagine. Oh, sure. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. I so much appreciate it. And I also have to thank uh, Stacey LeBaron, who is one of my biggest cheerleaders. So I appreciate her connecting us. Um, Yeah, I'm the um, operations supervisor at the Massachusetts SPCA, where we have four um, adoption centers. And I work specifically out of our Boston Adoption Center. And um, nationally, the average for cats who are, you know, found outside, found roaming, found um, perceived to be homeless by the people who bring them in, who end up in a shelter, um, the, the rate at which they are reunited with their owners nationally is somewhere between 2 to 5% is what the wow. data tells us. Yeah. That's horrible. And, yeah. Um, and definitely, I'd love to talk about in a minute, like some of the factors that go into that. But at, at our adoption center, um, our rate has been as high as 36%. Um, and we're really, really proud of that. And I think there's um, a lot of work. I think, you know, of all the great things that we're doing in the animal welfare world that is really hard and, and challenging and emotionally and physically taxing, um, this is an area that I think is just kind of generally underserved. And so um, I feel like our our program is, in, is evidence that if we... Um, decide as an organization and as a field of animal welfare that this is an area that can be improved. Um, I think our program shows that we can we can increase those numbers of those animals who are returned to loving homes that really want to have them back. Well, you know, it's, it's depressing because I'm, I'm going to ask you, because you know the whole big picture, what's mm-hmm. the return rate of dogs who are found wandering? Of course, there's many more unowned community looking cats, feral looking cats than there are dogs roaming 
anymore. I mean, 30, 40 yep. years ago, there were loads of free-roaming right. dogs in various cities even, Boston, I'm sure. But what is the return rate of dogs who are identified as having had an owner? What is the, the return rate to those people? That's a great question. That Funny enough, I actually don't feel super confident in the answer to really? that. Um, and Yeah, and the, the reason is really that so any of the things that I'm talking about and the, the, um, the approaches that we take and the, the things that we do can certainly be applied to dogs. Um, for us here in the Northeast and Massachusetts specifically, um, sort of exactly like what you're talking about, our like, you know, roaming, lost, random, unaccompanied dog walking <laughs> down the street is quite low. Right. So I, I would, I, 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 I will say a number that I believe I have seen places, but I want to be clear that I'm not 100% um, factual in this number. It's, it's closer to like 50 to 60%. Um, in some places, and I think maybe as low as 40 and, uh, and, you know, in some areas that are underserved. Um, but, you know, so that that number could also be increased. And I know that there are some groups out there who have really gotten their return to home numbers for dogs up there. But even if on the low end, it's 40 percent, if it's two to five percent for cats, that's still a huge disparity. It's so so sad. that's why I really made sure wanted to make um, our work really focus on that area that needed a lot Definitely. of improvement. I was just presuming that it, it looks so grim for cats because of this sort of throwaway uh, attitude in the culture about cats. Oh, well, they'll find another well, home mean, or they're okay on their own yeah. or the people probably didn't want them anyway. And it, it's just – it's a very rude and disrespectful attitude toward cats. And I'm wondering how much does microchipping have to do with this or – are people with cats much less likely to microchip them? And is that is that your main avenue to reuniting pets with their original families? Yeah, that's a great question. So, like, you, I would like to stand from the rooftops and tell everyone, you know, that getting your micro, your pet microchipped is a, is a really great thing to do. Um, I suspect that in a lot of communities there's places that you can access, you know, low-cost resources for microchips at the MSPCA. We do it for $15. Um, and include it also as part of our low-cost spay-neuter packages. Um, yes, the rate of um, microchips is much higher in dogs than it is in cats. Um, for our shelter, the, the percentage of like stray and found cats who come into us, about 50% of them are microchipped, and that's actually very high. When yeah. I go, I recently went to a national conference and presented on this topic, and when I told the crowd from, you know, all over the U.S. that our rate of um, microchipped cats coming in was 50%, that was very high for a lot of people. And again, I think that's indicative of the fact that in the Northeast and Massachusetts, we've been doing animal welfare really well for a really long time. And so, um, you know, the, the basics of pet ownership are really accessible to people. So, yes, you're right. The, the animal who comes in with a microchip that is registered to an owner who has up-to-date contact on information on that microchip, that's the low-hanging fruit. That's the really easy get to call that number, get those people on the phone, they come down, they pick up their cat. So, but that is only, so when I say our reclaim rate is 36%, that's only about 12% of our reclaims. So it works. But it, and, you know, and that's, like I said, an easy way to get them home. But we need to do some additional things. And so one of the things that I feel really passionately about with microchipping that gets us much closer to that 36% is if that microchip either isn't registered at all right, or is registered with out-of-date contact information and out-of-service phone number, 
you know, an address that is nowhere near where that cat was found, I don't take that as the end of the road. And so um, I really like being an internet, internet sleuth. So Googling people, Googling phone numbers, finding people on social media, reaching out to them, finding their LinkedIn, emailing their work email address. Wow. Like that is a really significant portion of that 36% return to home rate we get. And on our end, what does that take? 15 minutes maybe to like do a little bit of Googling and find someone in a different way. Um, because I think that people just have, people don't think about their animal's microchip or don't think about that it needs to be updated or maybe like don't even remember that their pet had a chip to begin That's with. That's right. Um, and one of the things that I think is, you know, we can do these certain things like, um, you know, uh, super sleuthing people's uh, information from their microchips. But that means that we in the animal welfare world have to decide that part of, at least part of this is our responsibility. You know, oh, I think historically for a long time, we've said, well, it's the owner's responsibility yes. to find their pet and it's the owner's responsibility to update their microchip. Well, when the animal's in my shelter now, <laughs> it's kind of my responsibility, right? And That's nice. also if I'm saying, this is my profession, this is my field of work, this is where I have expertise, I think it is part of our responsibility to go above and beyond and do the right thing, which is presume these animals have a loving home and get them reunited with their owners. That's a really great attitude rather than putting your hands on your hips and saying, well, if this is how much you cared about your cat, yes. the heck with it. You're saying yes. you probably found this cat or were rehomed this cat from a friend or a neighbor and the idea of it having a chip never crossed your mind or Absolutely. alternatively, possibly sometime before you moved from Iowa to Denver, you did have some piece of paper that had the chip number on it, but that wasn't the that wasn't top of mind for you when you moved. So you, you forgot so all about exactly it. Exactly right. Right? Yes. Like people love their pets and people also have a lot of conflicting priorities in yes. their life. And those two things can be true at the same time. And I think also from animal welfare perspective, you know, I can only speak for the, the data for my, my organization, um, length of stay, right, which means like how many days an animal stays in our care in the shelter. For our shelter, the length of stay for all cats in general, cats that came to us in any kind of way, the average length of stay is 13 days. That's very the short. The average length of, yes, in general, nationwide, that is very short. The length of stay for a cat who comes in and gets reunited with their owner is three days. So that also, like, that has so many trickle-down benefits for our organization. We know that length of stay is the single greatest contributor to an animal contracting a communicable disease yep. in a shelter environment. Length of stay contribu contributes to stress on people and the animals caring for them. So, like, even from just, if we wanted to look at it from a selfish standpoint and not in a happy-go-lucky, lovey-dovey, let's reunite pets with their owners. Right, right. It benefits the organization overall as well. Right, because you don't want your volunteers and your shelter staff to see that same cat for days and days and days who came in kind of in shock, and now he's gone into the bread loaf shape, and he's depressed, yeah. and he's scared, and he's traumatized, and he doesn't want to eat, and he could have urinary tract problems because of the stress, yeah. And now the, the the volunteer and the shelter worker are feeling really extra bad 
about their job yeah. because yeah. this animal's suffering and there's nothing they can do to to help it. I'm, I'm curious what happened to Michelson Found Animals. There was a period in time when Michelson Found Animals was providing low-cost chips to shelters, and then anybody with any chip from anywhere could register with them and change the registration information for free. Now, I think that the company, the nonprofit that it is, may have changed its its job in life, if you will. But where do you most recommend that people register? Because there are some companies, I want to say AKC and some others, but I, I could be wrong, that charge a yearly fee. So mm. there's a kind of pushback I... to that for people. Whereas if it were free, could we urge them a little more to please just use your email and write into the whichever the company is that you recommend, Corinne, and register your number with them. And then when you when your cell phone number changes or you move, it's it's pretty easy to go in there and change it. Where yep. where do you this recommend great, doing that? This is a great question. Let me try to give you a really quick rundown of my thoughts on this question. One, I believe that Michelson Found Animals is now foundanimals.org. Yes, you're right. I'm not 100% sure no, about that, is. but I believe they're doing similar um, work. They're great. Um now, you asked a question that I love because there, you know, and I'm not, I don't, I don't claim to be an expert on exactly how every single microchip registry company works, but I'm pretty familiar with most of them and they all work quite, very similarly at the end of the day. And the question that you ask is a huge misperception in the community. Pretty much every microchip company that I know of to have your information in their database and to update your information as needed with them directly is no cost. That is part of the cost of the initial implant and the registration of the microchip that you paid for at the beginning. There are a lot of microchip companies who send you messaging that kind of vaguely in a coded way makes you think that you need to pay to yes. have a registered microchip. And what they're actually doing is providing a subscription-based service that provides you additional resources should you want to pay for that service. So those resources might look like if your pet got lost, they would like fax and email all the shelters and vets in a 50-mile radius from you. They have like a 24-hour emergency poison hotline access, things like that. But I would look, I would encourage people to look very carefully at what that messaging is that they're getting from their microchip company. Because it's very likely that you don't actually have to pay to have your microchip be registered and and easily updated for free in their database. But they are, you know, I mean, they're a business, right? So they right. are asking you to pay for services, but that is not about the database. Um, so that's really great. Um, and the, Found the Animals website. is not really... Um, a, a, a for pro it's it's not at all a for profit organization. It's a non profit. They're, they're so, so they're not in it to can... make a buck. They do sell the product yeah. to shelters like yours or others to insert the the microchip. The other thing that I think has changed over time when I wrote the dog bible and the cat bible, there was a big issue about the scanner. So a mm. vet clinics could have a scanner. Shelters have a scanner. But there's brands of scanners and brands of microchips, and if they don't play well together, you can't scan the animal. Is that no longer true? Is there a universal scanner now? Um, in my experience these days, most 
scanners are what you would call a universal scanner Good. that will now. He, but here's the extra thing, though, with so much rehoming of pets and pets being surrendered to shelters and then rehomed through that shelter. This thing that um, you can't know for sure. So when I scan an animal and the ship number comes up, I can tell just because I've been doing this for a long time or I could look it up online based on the confirmation of that chip. I can go, oh, that's a home again chip or that's an Avid chip or that's an AKC chip or whatever. But now there's so much rehoming and re-registering of animals. I can't guarantee that the manufacturer of that chip is where the most recent registration is. Does that make sense? Totally. So like you can re-register chips in different databases. So the thing that I most recommend, and I hope all shelters, if you're listening to or vets use this and and even the public can use it, um, you go to petmicrochiplookup.com. Oh, wow. And you put in the microchip number and it doesn't give you the information on the chip, but it would tell it searches all the microchip databases and it tells you this is the company who has the most recent registration on that chip so contact them and what that might be is this is an avid chip but you need to contact home again for the most recent up, um registration so it's, it's a very convoluted system it is it convoluted but i think corinne the thing that that we come away with is that you as a shelter have got this incredible success rate because you put your shoulder into it. You make the extra effort. You take it as your responsibility to do the best you can to let those people know that their cat is with you, not wandering the streets or, uh, you know, someone else has picked it up and now rehomed it, which happens when a hungry cat comes to the back door and as a friendly cat, People go on this presumption, oh, I guess the other people didn't want him or he didn't like his home, so he's mine now, which, you know, is better than kicking him out into the cold of the night, but not as as, uh, gracious as it would be if you were to think, hey, somebody's heart is broken and they want this kitty back. Corinne Burgoyne, we've run out of time. The work you're doing at MSPCA Boston is incredible. Your success rate is a beacon of hope and light for people who've lost their pets in your Boston area, especially kitty cats, but also nationally. I hope more people understand how you do what you do and that you keep on keeping your numbers so dramatically high. Thank you so much on behalf of all the cats and their humans who've been (laughs) reunited because of you. Yeah, it's the greatest feeling ever. I don't know. I don't know how you couldn't do that once and not keep chasing that feeling. Good for you. Thanks so much for listening. I also want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered effective natural ways to repel fleas, ticks, and other pests on her pets and around her home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without the harsh chemicals that can be harmful to your cats, your property, and the planet. This show is also supported by the privately developed Magic Fabric pet throws that trap hair, dirt, and moisture when cats get up on the furniture bed or your lap. Magic Fabric Pet Throws invite kitty cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes or furniture. A final pause up to Dr. Elsie's again for all the fine products they make and their unwavering support of my mission to make life better for each and every kitty cat and their people.